The Dancepreneuring Studio, Session 66. Seven Similarities Between Ballet and Baseball. Five, six, seven, eight. Hi there, I'm Annette Bone, and welcome to another session of the Dancepreneuring Studio. This podcast is the place where dance inspires life and business. Every other week, I get the privilege of bringing you some of the best and creative minds who are connected to the art of dance as they share their stories, their ideas, strategies, and tactics to help move your life and your business forward. Coming up in our Step to Success segment, Night Shift. In our Dancer's Dialect segment, Scandal in the 20s. Doesn't that sound kind of juicy? (laughs) In our Freestyle Flow segment, Blueberry Muffin in Your Cup. And yes, that does sound delicious. And in our feature presentation, Seven Similarities Between Ballet and Baseball. Thanks again for joining me. Hi, this is Monica Volkmar, founder of The Dance Training Project and creator of Dance Stronger. You're listening to another episode of The Dancepreneuring Studio with Annette Bone. It's profitable to be skillful and wise. Welcome to this week's Step to Success. A step to your success is anything that moves your life and your business forward. Whether it's an app, a book, or an idea, you can apply something today that will help you succeed. Today's step to success is a setting on your iPhone and or iPad called Night Shift, and I've linked a great article from Mac Rumors in the show notes at AnnetteBone.com forward slash 066, and it shows you how to set up the this setting so that the blue and white that is prevalent in your setting in the display and the brightness during the day cuts down at night so it doesn't affect your circadian rhythms. And there have been studies done that blue light is the harshest in terms of interfering with that. And I've also linked a great article from Harvard Medical School and Harvard Health Publications on studies that they've done regarding the the blue and the white light. And so what happens is that the blue light suppresses the melatonin production in your body, which makes it harder to fall asleep. And all light does affect the circadian rhythm, but blue light has been proven to, to be the most disruptive. So anyway, it also got me thinking about this word night shift, this app, not app really, it's more of a setting, got me thinking of the song Night Shift from 1985 from the Commodores. And I know some of you were not even around at that time <laughs> and don't even know who the Commodores are, but it was a great song. And I didn't know, I actually, I forgot that it was a tribute to the late great artists Marvin Gaye and Jackie Wilson, who unfortunately passed away in their 40s. And so since I mentioned it, I'm going to have to link this video in the show notes at AnnetteBone.com forward slash 066. So you guys know who I'm referring to. With this night shift display setting on your iPhone and iPad, what happens also is that the bright white will fade into a warm yellow color that is easier on your eyes and easier on your circadian rhythm. So check those out and shift over to Night Shift. And now, Life and Business Connect with the Dancer's Dialect. The Dancer's Dialect is the dancer's language. I share dance terminology and concepts across different genres so you can see the correlations in your life and in your business. Isn't it funny and interesting 
the kinds of things that were considered scandalous back in earlier times. For example, our word for today in the dancer's dialect is the Charleston dance step. And I've linked a video in the show notes at AnnetteBone.com forward slash 066. So you can see what a Charleston dance step looks like. I'm pretty sure you're familiar with it. But it was made popular in the 20s. And it was the first social dance without a partner considered scandalous. And it's so funny because I can think of lots of things today, movement-wise, that look more scandalous than a Charleston dance step. But back then, it became popular during the era of jazz music, speakeasies, and flappers. And flappers were a group of rebellious young women in the 20s, and they were known for wearing short dresses, they had bobbing hair, they listened to jazz music, and they... Loved Charleston dance step. Ooh, scandalous, right? <laughs> but it was their way to um, express, just as dance is a way to express and communicate. So at that time, that's what they did. And in the 30s, there was another dance step that emerged because of the Charleston. And um, that was called or is called the Lindy Hop. And both of these dance forms, the Charleston dance step and the Lindy Hop, the variations of it have been made popular due to the rise in the popularity of ballroom dancing, social dancing, and also shows such as Dancing with the Stars. And so with the Charleston dance, it can be danced solo, you can have it danced with a partner, you can do it in a group, there's lots of variations. It does involve kicking the legs, swinging the arms, and the other interesting thing about that is that it was banned. This dance was banned during many of the dance hall days during the 20s because it was considered scandalous and exuberant. And it's funny thinking about that because you want to see dance that is exuberant and happy and full of life. And whether you think a certain dance form is too exuberant or scandalous, it's all expression and it's all communication. And now, Anything Goes with Freestyle Flow. What's on your mind today, Annette? Artisan, high-end, espresso, and pour-over coffee. Yes. A friend of mine recently introduced me to something quite exquisite on a recent trip to the Abbott Kinney area in L.A., in the Venice Beach area, and we stumbled upon, in our quest for looking for coffee, Intelligentsia Coffee, and I've linked it in the show notes at AnnetteBone.com forward slash 066. And it turns out he's quite the coffee snob, but I get it. <laughs> I get it now. He told me that there was a place he went to for a cup of coffee that was so good, you did not have to add cream or sugar or anything. And that's usually the case with places like this, where you have the really good pour over coffee where they roast their beans and all that. And the process is so important. And it tasted like he was having a blueberry muffin from a cup. Doesn't that sound good? Sounds good to me. I used to eat blueberry muffins all the time. I don't anymore. But oh my goodness, that just sounded fantastic. So he did warn me as he was explaining processes and the excellence that they put in. And on a side note, it got us in this conversation about how it's so important for process and to do things excellent, excellently, whether it's in business or anything else. And so it got us on this really great discussion about processes. And so we talked about the coffee process and the beans and all that kind of stuff. It was very 
actually quite interesting to me. And so he talked about how you just have to try different places and it can be hit or, hit or miss because it just depends on how quickly you drink the beverage. And you want to have it immediately if you can, because then you can taste the different notes and the different aspects of the coffee. And then also I noticed that it was, he was right. I noticed that the flavors in my cup were more distinguishable, if that's a word. And the taste did change as the temperature cooled. And so I was impressed. And so when I get interested in different subjects, I start researching like a madwoman. <laughs> so I found information on this coffee convention that's going on in New York City. And then I found this other coffee information. And so I haven't looked at all of it in detail yet. But it got me researching different pour over places in surrounding areas. So now my goal is to try different pour over coffee in different places. But anyway, in sharing this, I hope that you look at different processes and the importance of processes, whether it's in your life and your business and where you can be more excellent if that is your goal. I think it should be your goal because as you pursue excellence, then you get excellent in other areas. And if you study how people do things in other industries and see how excellent they are, that only helps you. So we had a, just a great conversation, obviously great coffee about all of this. And so now I think I'm becoming a coffee snob as well. Although, you know what? I can't say no to Starbucks. I, I definitely can't say no to coffee bean. Now that you're warmed up, get ready to go full out with our feature presentation. I'm having a difficult time getting into the feature presentation of this session. And by the time it's released, it's going to be old news. But I just found out that Prince has passed away. And I'm shocked and very saddened because I have such great memories of growing up with his music. And just even going back to his music today, it's so relevant. And he was such a great artist and icon. And it's just so sad. And he was so young. And so I want to get into this feature presentation, but also honor the fact that he influenced so many people and inspired so many people. And dance-wise, his music was incredible. I remember in jazz class doing stuff across the floor to his song that he did for one of the Batman movies, and then also using a lot of his music for jazz warm-up when I was still dancing on Guam. And then it was, oh my gosh, I'm just, I'm still in shock. And I know that there are many, many people mourning him today. Let's go ahead and get into the feature presentation. And I want to start with saying that I'm really not a baseball fan. <laughs> I... I'm sorry, I'm not. And um, however, a recent spontaneous trip to a Dodgers game got me thinking, it was actually, first of all, interesting. And it got me thinking about the parallels between ballet and baseball, which I'll share with you. And I'll describe aspects of the game that I got to experience. So that was positive. So how are ballet and baseball similar? Number one, People like to be entertained, whether it's baseball or whether it's ballet or something else. For me, it can be almost anything dance or art related, and I'm entertained. I always find something that I learn or something that I enjoy. So people like to be entertained, whether they go to a baseball game or to a ballet or dance performance. Number two, how are ballet and baseball similar? There are diehard fans in both of these arenas, diehard fans. 
So they will have the memorabilia. They'll know facts. They'll know different things about each of the sports. I call ballet a sport. And so there are diehard fans in everything. There are diehard fans in crocheting, in sewing, in... I don't know. There's so many random things that there are people that are fans of. There's always communities and people that are diehard fans of whatever it is. So in ballet and in baseball, there are diehard fans that know anything and everything about both of these subjects. Number three, there is significance in celebrating pioneers in your field. In this case, this game that we went to, um, it was Jackie Robinson Day and everything was talked about that had to do with Jackie Robinson. The shirt that was given out was Jackie Robinson related with his number 42. And so it got me thinking about the ballets that have been preserved and performed throughout the years, like with George Balanchine. And so there is definitely significance in celebrating pioneers in your field and in preserving history. And that is the case in both ballet and in baseball. Number four Professionals make performance look effortless. We got a chance to go out on the outfield. And what I didn't realize, when you're in the stadium, it, it is big. But when you're out on the outfield, everything is seems, it's just, it is that much bigger. And so you don't realize how much ground that those outfielders have to cover when they're trying to catch the balls. And so with dance, it's the same thing. With ballet, they make, they make it look so effortless. And it takes a lot of work to make things look effortless. So professionals make performance look effortless. Number five, fans love interactive experiences. In this case, like I said, we got to go to the field. We got to touch the grass. It was really kind of clean, actually. And they already had the people like cleaning up the, the dirt and stuff and the bases and all that. So that was really cool. And we got to watch the fireworks from the field. And that was a totally different perspective. It was very interactive. And so it was a great way to commem to commemorate history. And so it's the same thing with ballet. It's cool when they have these immersion experiences where you can take a company class before the performance or get to meet the dancers or the artistic director. So fans love interactive experiences. Number six, no matter how many times you watch a game or a ballet performance, you still love the sport. You never get tired of it, especially if you're a diehard fan. Number seven, the venue, whether it's ballet or baseball, gives you a sense of community. In the case of baseball, it's those familiar smells of the popcorn and the cotton candy. And I don't know if it's just California, but the nachos and the Mexican food <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, the vendors going up and down the stairs and throwing peanuts and seeing all the food on the floor, all those experiences in within the venue it just gives that sense of community community and familiarity and and makes you enjoy that experience that much more and with ballet it's seeing the orchestra pit and, and seeing the musicians get ready to accompany the dancers if they're going to do that and then the stage lighting and just you know the the ushers and all that kind of stuff the anticipation for the show it's all very exciting so the venue can give you a sense of community whether it is in a baseball stadium or a theater for ballet dance or another art form 
to recap are as follows. Number one, people like to be entertained. Number two, there are diehard fans. Number three, there is significance in celebrating pioneers in your field. Number four, professionals make performance look effortless. Number five, fans love interactive experiences. Number six, no matter how many times you watch something you love, you still love it that much more. And number seven, The venue and all of its aspects give you a sense of community. So my question to you is, what kinds of things do you enjoy when you go to a dance performance or another event? I would love to get your feedback and you can go to AnnetteBone.com forward slash 066 where you'll also find the show notes to this session. And if you found this podcast helpful or any of the other sessions helpful, I would love it and appreciate it if you could go to iTunes or Stitcher Radio and give me a rating review and subscribe to the podcast. That way, the podcast can continue getting more exposure, helping more people, and I would love to give you a shout out on a future session of the Dancepreneuring Studio. The last two memories of Prince's music that are fond in my mind are number one, his music being used in a jazz class that I took, the song I Would Die For You, which I love, and then secondly... I was able to see the Joffrey Ballet years ago perform a full ballet to his music, and I absolutely loved it. In the meantime, I pray that you have an exceptional week and more blessings than you can imagine. I hope that today you can find things that you are grateful for, no matter how big or how small. I look forward to talking with you soon. Thank you for listening. This has been a session of the Dancepreneuring Studio. Find the archives of this show at annettebone.com slash podcast or on iTunes. Contact Annette at annettebone.com. This podcast copyright by annettebone.com and dancepreneuring.com. All rights reserved. The Dancepreneuring Studio is the place where dance inspires life and business.